Hello my friends, this is Sarah from Weird Horizon, where we explore topics on the spooky, the esoteric, the countercultural, and the just plain weird. Today we are going to finish for now our series exploring the history of witchcraft. Today we are going to be looking at the cultural figure of the witch after the witch trials. Suffice to say, witchcraft as it is practiced today is not analogous to the witchcraft we've come to hear about in trial records. More, the figure of the witch has generally been reclaimed and resituated, and in some cases as part of this historical continuity of the pursued or persecuted witch. For some, witchcraft is a continuation of a clandestine practice for which the executed were accused, even if they believed that their imagined crimes were less violent and harmful than what we are led to believe by trial records. For some, it is a reclamation of the symbol of the witch, a symbol of power, or a symbol of patriarchal descent. Unfortunately, though, for others, the witch is still a weapon for oppression. Today we're going to take a very brief survey of the diaspora of the modern witch, where it went in the modern day after the trials. I will not really be talking a whole lot about the witch figure in popular culture, because as you can imagine, that would be a, a whole series. But of course, one of the more major ways in which the witch has survived into the modern day is through pop culture. So I'm not unaware of that. I just have chosen today not to focus on that. Today, my research on Wicca was greatly helped by What is Wicca by the YouTube channel Religion for Breakfast, as well as In Defense of Witches, The Legacy of the Witch Hunts and Why Women Are Still on Trial by Mona Chollett. The limited knowledge I have on the modern witch hunts in sub-Saharan Africa comes from the World Health Organization's 2002 World Report on Violence and Health and ACUNS Academic Council on the United Nations System, Femicide, a Global Issue that Demands Action, published in 2014. So of course if you've ended up here you'd like to know more about the history of witchcraft and the persecuted witch. If you haven't already, please do check out the preceding episodes in this series. And I hope you enjoy this one as we round out this series. But for now, let's get on with it. So talking about the witch in the modern era, witchcraft as we know it today, we have a few things to talk about. So number one, the sad fact that the accusation of witchcraft is still a viable deadly threat in some parts of the world. Two, the individuals who label themselves as witch and practice a form of witchcraft in a positive and benevolent manner as a form of religion or spirituality. And three, the symbol of the witch as a feminist icon and the ways in which it continues to be a focal point around which the struggle for female autonomy is gathered. So regrettably, the timeline of witch trials does not neatly end after Salem. It is not, as some like to think, the point at which the, the scales fell from our collective eyes and the world vowed to never allow such a thing to happen again. If it were, there could be some kind of catharsis in learning about them. But it is a sad fact that in some areas of sub-Saharan Africa in particular, to quote, accusations of witchcraft, often connected with unexplained events in the local community, such as a death or crop failure, are directed at isolated older women. And of course, the effect of these accusations is fairly predictable. The murder of vulnerable older women 
for the gain of others in their community. So the World Health Organization report on violence and health explains it as such. To quote, Belief in witchcraft has existed in these areas for centuries, though the violence surrounding it has increased sharply in recent years. This may in part be due to increased poverty caused by too many people living off of too little land, as well as an overall lack of education. As poor and uneducated people try to explain the misfortunes that befall them, illness and death, crop failures and dried up wells, they search for a scapegoat, and witchcraft appears to explain events they cannot otherwise understand or control. So nothing here sounds very new, and these are the kind of tensions that explain seemingly ubiquitous nature of witchcraft accusations, i.e. their social utility in blaming and vanquishing an imagined scapegoat. But this kind of behaviour has only ever gone so far in explaining smaller rashes of accusations following episodes of acute societal distress. It does not explain why, to quote again, in the United Republic of Tanzania, some 500 older women are murdered each year following accusations against them of witchcraft. So in pretty much every case we've spoken of, which accusations turning from a few spots to a rash, there is a force controlling the narrative here and a social aim to fanning the flames, as it were. Now, this is no doubt the case here, but as the situation is still unfolding and we don't have the same benefit of hindsight as we do looking at other historical cases, it is quite hard to tease out where these kind of puppet strings are so for today, we will just have to have a brief look at an overview of the situation. Someone with much more cultural knowledge would be well suited to the task of fully explaining it. And these two documents I've referenced do go into a lot more detail on the situation. So if you are interested in it, do check those out. The reasons for the Tanzanian accusations are explained as a blend of what has come before. So land disputes where in the area women are permitted to live off of their husband's land after the husband's passing. A lot of these accusations come from attempts by the community members to move the women off of this land that they want to do other things with, basically. Reliance on traditional medicine is also fairly common in some of these areas as well meaning that often the cure for a particular ailment is magical or counter-magical, resulting in accusations of malevolent witchcraft whenever people fall ill. There is also, of course, the enduring image of the witch, and as we've talked about, the overlap with the natural ageing process of older women. But although these are the familiar ways in which we see communities fall to these kind of accusations it doesn't explain the scale of the problem and like with Salem it doesn't explain why communities fall to the same accusations with the benefit of hindsight it even baffles the likes of the Tanzanian government publicly made it a focus of their 1999 women's day in the hopes of safeguarding the again mainly female victims 
But the issue is more widespread than this even. So from the report Femicide, a Global Issue that Demands Action, published by ACUNS, a human rights group which disseminates UN research, to quote, In Ghana, women who are accused of being witches are forced to leave their homes and live in so-called witch camps. And according to ActionAid, there are six witch camps in northern Ghana. Again, control or neutralisation of older women, particularly widows, seems to be at play here. And again, to quote, an ActionAid survey of the camps found more than 70% of women were accused of being witches after their husbands died. And unfortunately, it's not just older women who are falling foul to these kind of accusations. In Nigeria in 2008, a law was passed which criminalised the witch stigmatisation of children. And these witchcraft accusations could be penalised with up to 15 years of imprisonment. So prior to this, children accused of witchcraft of being witches were beaten, mutilated, maimed with boiling water. These children were accused of working black magic in their community. The government of Nigeria have fought back against the organisation's writing reports claiming these children were taken into the woods, tortured in all manners of horrific ways. One such report from Stepping Stones Nigeria, which is working to improve the lives of street children in Nigeria, in particular was criticised by the Nigerian government who said it is leading people to the wrong conclusions. But according to other charities working in the region, at least in the 2010s, children accused of witchcraft were being forced to undergo deadly exorcisms where they were murdered for the crime for which they were accused. There are unfortunately so many documented modern cases of lynching for the crimes of witchcraft in regions of sub-Saharan Africa that I can't go into any real detail covering them there. But to sum it up, to quote, The killing of women accused of sorcery slash witchcraft has been reported as a significant phenomenon in countries in Africa, Asia and the Pacific Islands. That is to say, this is not purely a issue of sub-Saharan Africa and it is only certain specific regions in Africa as well. This is not to say it's a ubiquitous cultural thing, it is not. But if we want to think of witch trials as a thing of the past which we have simply moved on from, like those writing about the Salem trials with their kind of self-righteous disbelief, we are simply ignoring the evidence that these trials continue to the present and most likely will continue into the future. But again, our hope is that by recognising the methods employed, the kind of slow metamorphosis from intangible, malicious force to real human characteristics, i.e. from kind of folklore to the characteristics of a person that can and should be tried and executed, maybe we can walk this process back or at the very least be more likely to spot it and its influence. So I know that that's a pretty dark place to take this discussion, but it is an important one. But for now, just for the sake of time, we are going to move on to the more positive side of the witch in modern times. The ways in which the witch has been used for good. This, of course, does not in any way make up for the atrocities mentioned here, but 
the modern symbol of the witch is multifaceted and complicated and encompasses all kinds of issues. I think that when many people think of modern witches, what most likely comes to mind is Wicca or some ideas around Wicca. However, modern beneficial witchcraft and Wicca are not entirely synonymous with each other. So Wicca is a contemporary new religious movement, although its labelling as a new religious movement is slightly contentious, as um, in general, new religious movement is a label reserved primarily for cults, and I think it is unfair to call Wicca a cult, but nonetheless, some people disagree with the quite literal um, labelling of Wicca as a new religious movement. Wicca is a contemporary new religious movement which first started gaining popularity in the 1960s. It is classed as a modern pagan religion, drawing on the now debunked idea that witchcraft may have represented a surviving older pre-Christian religion being practiced, the now debunked pagan survival hypothesis. Not all modern witches are Wicca. Wicca is a specific new religious movement, whereas many modern witches practice an atheistic, agnostic, or purely spiritual witchcraft. But as mentioned, it is hard to argue that Wicca truly represents the modern form of an unbroken continuity of practice of a pagan pre-Christian faith. The pagan survival hypothesis gave an explanation for various Christian communities turning against their own citizens i.e. the fear that they may have been practising and spreading heretical beliefs. One thing we can be sure of is that Wicca is at least partially based on a modern reimagining of older witchcraft. This is of course not an issue, but a distinction that we should make. So we are talking about Wicca specifically now, as it came about as a product of the huge amounts of written and cultural discourse around the persecuted witch. It is therefore a part of the history of witchcraft, even though, thankfully in this case, it is a mostly positive turn to the story. So Wicca wears its historical inspiration proudly, with the word itself being based on the Old English word for witch, although in Old English pronunciation it was probably said more like witch-er. It is a reclaimed self-titling. So Wicca is a group of people calling themselves witch, as opposed to others calling them it. So there is an implicit power shift in this act and is a process by which oppressed peoples may take back power from their oppressors and have control over the methods through which they are othered and demonised. Again, whether witches in the past or the present were a discrete group does not matter too much in this reclamation, which was the moniker by which a host of atrocities were committed against a range of vulnerable people. This reclamation and self-titling gives the oppressed figure back their agency. Wicca in its modern form gained much of its popularity in the 1960s, where it was a part of the boom of interest in spirituality and the occult. However, because of this, Wicca was sort of poised in contrast to other growing new religious movements such as Anton LaVey's The Church of Satan. For many, of course, the later witch trials had seeded an ingrained cultural idea that those on trial were in league with the devil in some way and looking to spread their demonic message. And to avoid falling into this set trap, this one which clearly represented a still-existing cultural fear, Wicca was quick to set itself apart from Satanists. 
drawing a line between witchcraft, in this context, benevolent magic on the whole, and Satanism, an idea going through its renaissance but predominantly still associated in many minds with evil. So author and amateur archaeologist and anthropologist Gerald Gardner developed Wicca in the 1940s and 50s in England as a spin-off from Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism, which was an esoteric order also at its height of popularity. From his home near the New Forest, where Wicca continues to have a thriving community, Gardner created Wicca from what he believed to be the surviving fragments of a pre-Christian religion in practice. And of course, he was drawing on the same kind of documents that we have been drawing on, i.e. trial records, discourse around the evolving idea of the witch figure, which were disseminated as the trials were ongoing. He then drew on later themes in the European and American witch trials, so-called conspiracy of witches, and the idea that the individuals may have represented part of an organised group practising their religion. So, of course, earlier witch trials tend to focus on the individual practising forms of accepted magic, i.e. cunning folk and the like, but with their magic going awry or used for evil. Later witch trials very much concentrated on this idea of a a hidden conspiracy, sort of an an anti-Christian group gaining popularity. As mentioned, this pagan survival hypothesis was championed by Margaret Murray. We talked a little about this in earlier episodes, but this is a now-debunked theory that the witch trials, at least the earlier European ones, were an attempt to stamp out lingering pagan beliefs as Christianity swept the continent. So the idea being that pagan practices were labelled as witchcraft, rolled up in all kinds of other harmful rumour, and used as a justification for the large-scale execution of religious heretics. Trial records would come to prove that even when led and probed, though, those accused had less knowledge of pagan beliefs often than their accusers, and that any evidence to the contrary was usually down to a generous interpretation of the event by the accuser to fit their own narrative. And again, I know we've said it, but these records, this, I hesitate to call it like a primary source, but the closest we have to a primary source on these trials were, of course, written by the accusers. Nonetheless, the idea of a covert surviving religion was of particular interest to this spiritualist boom which resulted in response to the Age of Enlightenment. Huge leaps in modern science and understanding had resulted in various modernist occult beliefs as people attempted to reconcile their spirituality and faith with science. The rise of occultism in Europe was created by those trying to reconcile the gulf between prevailing Christianity and modern science by drawing a through line with older traditions of esoteric thought. In this attempt to bring a kind of unified meaning, the older the tradition the better, as ancient traditions came with a kind of implied truth to them, giving the impression of being intrinsically human in some way. And as we've spoken of, the witch in its various forms and guises is a symbol that is seemingly ubiquitous, appearing wherever we find people. And this idea, also sometimes going by traditionalism, meant the idea of the ancient tradition of witchcraft was ripe for a modern rebirth during this spiritualist boom. Now, Wicca may be the largest contemporary pagan religion in the world. And even within Wicca, so one aspect of modern witchcraft, 
there is a huge variety to how its members approach witchcraft and apply it to their lives. Its members practice in a variety of ways. So some practice a duotheistic faith, some are monotheistic, some worship a masculine god and a feminine goddess, but in modern times questions have been raised about non-binary identities and how they fit into this faith. Some worship the triple goddess of modern neo-paganism, a figure symbolised as maiden mother crone, said to symbolise and criticise the stages of female reproductive life. The analogies between the crone and the modern witch image are of course very clear, but this triplet also comments on all kinds of transverse sexualities which made many of the executed witches targets in the first place. Many of those practising Wicca believe in reincarnation and in the idea that once a witch, always a witch. Many believe themselves to be reincarnated souls of the persecuted and take a kind of vengeance and comfort in this. Much of Wiccan practice is focused on the transfer of energy, be that through life stages such as maiden mother crone or through seasons or through lifetimes, the one aspect rising as the other falls. For this reason, many Wiccan witches have a strong affinity for nature, seeing it as the ultimate representation of this, the giving of life and energy to all. And for this reason, many have also been heavily involved in climate activism as a part of their practice. There is also a huge variety in Wicca in who and why people take this leadership duty. Often this is dependent on the specific type of Wicca being practised. Gardnerian witches place importance on lineage, this crucial idea of an unbroken inheritance. As such, to be admitted, one has to be initiated by another Gardnerian witch. Some practice a Dianic form of witchcraft, so a monotheistic form focused on the worship of the goddess Diana. And again, we've spoken of this, this idea of particularly European witches potentially practicing some sort of earlier Dianic faith. This concept is picked up again by Dianic witches and generally more female-led Dianic Wicca stresses many of the aspects I think many associate with modern witchcraft. It's feminist symbols and it's resistance to patriarchy. Now Wicca can be practiced as part of a coven, it can be practiced individually and with various degrees of belief in the efficacy of magic and its ability to affect tangible physical change in the world. For some its effect is purely spiritual, for others not. For some this concept of reincarnation is figurative, for others it is very much metaphorical. But the Wiccan read the statement of the key moral heart of Wicca always says, do no harm. So the central worship text in this new religious movement would probably be considered the Gardner Book of Shadows, a book written in his own hand, detailing the specific rites and practices of Wicca. But despite this, Wicca has been always evolving. It takes an approach both traditional and eclectic, on the one hand attempting to preserve what they believed was once attempted to be wiped from the earth in this ancient pagan religion, i.e. the lifestyles of the women involved who they believed to be practising a faith similar to their own, but as well as adapting their faith to more modern challenges, such as this involvement with climate activism. 
Change is ultimately essential to survival, and change and the transfer of energy is inherent to the faith of Wicca. Therefore, the changing and potent symbol of the persecuted witch is a kind of central metaphor of Wicca. But clearly the symbol of the witch is one ripe for reclamation, um, not just by those practising Wicca. But this reclamation, a process by which oppressed individuals may fight against their, their oppressors, as we've already touched on with the witch trials, these trials predominantly affected poorer and often older women. And the symbol of the witch to a modern feminist audience has thus become a symbol for all the things feminists fight for and against. In The Witch, we not only have a seemingly ubiquitous female archetype, but the ways in which they were persecuted reflects on the prevailing patriarchal power structure. In Charlotte's words in In Defence of Witches, the very symptoms of witchcraft, refusal of motherhood, rejection of marriage, ignoring traditional beauty standards, bodily and sexual autonomy, homosexuality, ageing, anger, even a general sense of determination. All of these things come to symbolise to a modern audience a countercultural stance for those oppressed. In every one of these qualities is a struggle for autonomy against a patriarchy seeking to control women. The witch, a persecuted figure dating back far into the medieval period, also sets up historical precedent for the oppression of women, a lineage of oppressed women, a framework for a lifestyle free from the dogmatic control of men, and some potent and famous martyrs for the cause. Feminist interpretations of the witch trials popped up as early as the 19th and 20th centuries, under the banner of all kinds of first, second, third wave feminism. After all, contemporary writing on the witch and the trial records themselves often approach the victim from a sexualised viewpoint, or at the very least, the female nature of many of the crimes was central to the accusations themselves. The Malaeus Maleficarum, as we know, explicitly aligned the ideas of inherent feminine weakness to sin and a concurrent seeming surge of witchcraft crimes. It was, therefore, a female crime from very early on. These ideas then mingled with contemporary ideas of gender and society, and one of the first to write on the subject in a specifically feminist manner was suffragette Matilda Jocelyn Gage. Heavily involved in the struggle for Native American rights, Gage had an awareness of pre-colonial egalitarian forms of governance and fought for the equal rights of all. In Gage's view, it was the church dogma preaching women's inferiority to men that was the seed of all manner of social issues, including, of course, the witch trials. As we've explored, the church and its struggle for control over various changing societies was central to the evolution of the witch archetype. It served the changing need of the dominant church of the region. Gage's book, Women, Church and States, took a similar stance to certain Wiccan beliefs, that the condemned witches of the early modern period may have been practitioners of an ancient pagan religion, venerating a female goddess. Now, as we know, this theory is questionable, but 
but it holds at its center the idea of a matriarchal religious power structure in opposition to and at odds to the male-oriented Christian church, and it represents new women-led ways of living and lineage of historical forebears. In the 1970s and with second-wave feminism, the idea began gathering support that the accused may have been traditional medical practitioners, i.e. cunning folk or midwives, and that they had become targets for practising a form of healing antithetical to the newer, more male-dominated theories, such as the humoral theory. Now, it is true that a number of the accused were cunning folk or admitted to having knowledge of folk healing and midwifery, but they were in the minority, and this idea has faced criticism of late in that the definition of women as opposed to or against men or worse, as their victim, is not hugely helpful in modern attempts to redefine femininity in our own terms. It also ignores the fact that gender ideas in the early modern era differed quite significantly from today. So it is easier and simpler to assume that all women were treated the same, felt the same, and were similarly oppressed in these, as we would think, less enlightened times, and that we in the future can save them, give them the power that we desire, and redefine them as feminist icons. But women of the period may not have had feminism, but they were not all victims, and they had their own different set of gender ideas to work with. To quote Francis E. Dolan on gender and sexuality in modern England, gender is not naturally given and constant from one place and time to another. Of course, the feminist symbol of the witch is one that can at times simplify a situation which, as we can see, is very complicated. Of those we've talked about in previous historical trials, there simply was not the vocabulary for those involved to call themselves feminist, nor were they seemingly setting out to live in a countercultural way. But there is a significant overlap between the kind of qualities and behaviours that would make one vulnerable to the accusation of witchcraft and feminist ideals. It is also true that the fight for female bodily autonomy is ongoing and that women today are subject to the same kinds of accusations. Often female friendships are trivialised, female relationships in general made adversarial, assumed to be in service of their relationships with men this has not changed and these are the kind of things we saw pop up in the trials again and again we have female neighbors who are used to doing errands and small tasks for each other to support each other often in the service of raising children and these relationships being made adversarial and turning violent similarly subjects and interests that are predominantly women-led are twisted and suppressed and again, inherent to all of these trials is this idea and fear around the concept that women might have been meeting together outside of the control of men or outside of the watchful eye of the rest of their communities. These are all actions, these are all qualities of living that today are still demonised in different ways. And therefore this cultural symbol of the witch in its very changing nature can help modern women to recognize and fight against systems seeking to lead and control them. 
Now, the everyday suppression of the historic witch trials underlines the point that this is an important figure and continually relevant one, as culturally the issue is downplayed and trivialised every day. So as we pointed out, this vocabulary, the casual use of the term witch hunt as a hint at a, a minor historical anomaly, reducing the trials down to the likes of Salem and justifying them as a temporary mass hysteria in an otherwise civilised world as opposed to what it was, the systematic murder of thousands of vulnerable people spanning hundreds of years up to the modern day and a total miscarriage of justice. Again, in Charlotte's words, which other mass crime, even one long past, is it possible to speak of like this with a smile? So I hope you'll catch me next week where we'll be moving on to a different esoteric topic, something I have a particular interest in, that being a modern web-based or web-disseminated form of esoteric thought and spirituality. So I won't give too many hints right now, but I will say it's an interesting offshoot from many established esoteric concepts and seems to be predominantly led by younger adults on TikTok. So if you're intrigued like me, I warn you it will be a weird one, but we'll be back to slightly more predictable weirdness soon, I'm sure. In the meantime, though, you can find me wherever you'd like to find your podcast. And you can chat with me on Twitter as Weird Horizon and on Instagram as Weird Horizon Podcast. If you cross paths with me there and you have any ideas for things I should look into, please share them. I would love to hear what weird nuggets you have found and I'll add them to the incredibly long podcast ideas note I have on my phone. And eventually... I will come back to them. But in the meantime, stay spooky, my friends. Much love, as always. Bye.